0: Praise the Lord. Did you enjoy that item? I want to hear it again. What is it? When I, Even though I'm a mess, I put on my best, put an S on my chest. Is that the words? Am I, I'm looking. Yes, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> and sometimes we do have to talk ourselves into it, don't we? Yes. Well, we're here to, of course, honor Mother's Day, but we're also going to continue exploring our theme of courage, courage culture and fearlessness. And I think when we have an image in our mind of, of courage, often there is a masculine image. I don't know if that's for you. I think about a soldier on the battlefield or brave heart or something like that. But do we think of a mother and her courage? Because I think mothers are some of the most courageous people on the planet. A year ago Christmas, my daughter Carissa and her husband Ryan gave me a Christmas gift that was... Uh, Not in a package. It was an online gift, and it was the opportunity to write my story. And so there's a company called StoryWorth, and I could write my story and publish my thoughts in this book. So that was a challenge that I actually enjoyed, but I found it um, sometimes really soul-searching and looking at things. And I was asked to write a chapter about my mother. And what the question was, what was my mother like when you were a child? And I just want to read a couple paragraphs from that. I won't read the whole thing, of course. But I I just want to display what I thought about my mom and her courage. She was born uh, just at the end of World War I, the daughter of Polish immigrants. She was a youth in the Great Depression. And she was a married woman during World War II. So just those three things alone would say she was courageous. I could write so much about my mother. She never felt like she was a significant person. By the way, this is exactly 40 years uh, from the day that she passed on and went to glory. So it's quite an anniversary for me. She never felt like she was a significant person, yet there was a great deal to admire about her. Anyone who knew her loved her. She was the most resilient, persevering person I have ever known. She was of a generation that worked hard for what they had and never had expectations that life was easy or fair. She was a courageous mother, and I honor her today. Let's just pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your plan of creation that in the beginning, Lord, you created heaven and earth and all that we see, and you created man and you created woman and you created the first mother. And, Lord, we just thank you for our mothers uh, that are present with us and those that are in our memories, our grandmothers, and all the women that have ever gone before us on the earth. We thank you for that, and we honor them today. And we just ask today, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would bring courage to our souls, that you would lighten our load as we look to you, Jesus, our strength, our power, our Lord and our God. Amen. Amen. So there are plenty of examples in the Bible of women that were mothers and that were courageous mothers. But I think you would probably agree with me that the most courageous mother ever mentioned in the Bible is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Oh my goodness. And we're going to look at her life a little bit today. Mary was at the intersection of frail humanity And the divine power of God, almighty God. Those two things came together in that one person. And I want us today to to look at her humanity. I know that Mary is venerated and revered by different Christian traditions. So I don't mean any disrespect. But she was a human being. And like my mom, she was an ordinary person. But she had an extraordinary task for her life probably more extraordinary than any mother that ever existed on the earth. It was a one-time event in history, never to be repeated again, that a virgin would conceive by the Holy Spirit and bring the Son of God into the earth. This is powerfully emotional as we look at it. And I want today, as we look into the scriptures, I love to read uh, the emotion in the scriptures. I, I I want us today to put our, ourselves in her sandals and just feel what she felt and see what she saw and experience the emotion of being a mother with such a great responsibility. She was such a courageous woman. We see her in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and again in the Book of Acts in the upper room with the disciples in the day of Pentecost. And we know her story so well that we can possibly become familiar. We hear it every Christmas and we read about the events and we think, oh, that's different, that's unusual, but it's the Christmas story. And so it's wonderfully portrayed. Even our children dress up in little costumes and pretend to be Mary and Joseph. And we miss the fact that this was raw humanity doing very hard things in a difficult world. Her life was very distressful. And yet she humbly submitted to the will of God for her life. And when we read John 3.16, so familiar to us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life, sometimes we have to think about it, that how did he get here? How did the Son of God come to the earth? He humbled himself, Philippians 2 tells us, and he became a man. He was born of a woman and her name was Mary. Luke in his gospel writing was like an investigative reporter and he extensively researched everything that he put into his gospel and Luke is also the writer of the book of acts. He was he was very very careful to make sure that what he brought to us was true and he interviewed as much as possible those that were firsthand witnesses. He says this in the opening verses of his gospel and it appears to us that he had firsthand access to Mary because how would he have known her thoughts and her emotions so clearly how could he record word for word the prophetic words that were spoken to her the words of the angels how could he know these things unless he had known her and so we get a really good glimpse of who she was and we listen to her thoughts and we listen to her emotions. I want to read to you uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, Nazareth was a small uh, town In comparison to towns today, only 1,500 people in the region of Galilee, north of the Sea of Galilee. And betrothal or being pledged to be married in that time was different than how we see engagements. You know, sometimes people do get engaged and sometimes the engagement gets broken and for whatever reason and two people go their separate way. This was a betrothal or a pledge and it was considered marriage but having not come physically together as yet or living together. And so it was something that was to be honored. It was a solemn promise and not to be broken except by death or by divorce. Mary was probably 15 or 16 years old. Women were married very young in those days and no later than 20 was considered very old to be married. So quite often that would be the case and I think that was probably Mary's situation. Can any of you remember being 15 or 16 years old? And what did you know of life? And what were your expectations? Think about being that young girl. In verse 28 it says, the angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be but the angel said to her do not be afraid how many times do we hear that in scriptures in the scripture do not be afraid Mary you have found favor with God you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. All that in a moment. And that was a lot to take in for a young virgin in in Galilee. What would she think? An angel appeared speaking to her. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And what was the rest of all that? Oh my, amazing. And so she could be forgiven for being initially fearful and confused and asking the obvious question, which we read in verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked, since I am a virgin. Well, the answer was complicated. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. A conception by the overshadowing glory cloud of God. Same word is used on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured before his disciples. The glory of God just came upon her. And in a moment, the Son of God was implanted in her womb. That's a miracle. There's nothing, no other thing that could explain that but that. And so you can imagine the moment. You can imagine that possibly she was afraid. And it goes on in verse 36 that Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And Mary, her response after hearing all this, said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Glorious presence of an angel. And there she was going, wow, what is ahead for me? And you know, if God was not in this, you could be assured that her life was headed towards tragedy. She would have been exposed to disgrace. She would have been shamed and quite possibly stoned to death for being pregnant without having been with her husband. And if this angel's words were not true, she would have never qualified to be Joseph's wife or anyone else's wife for that matter. So she had a rare and a unique courage that we admire. and there are so many things that we could admire her but to, uh, about her and her courage. But today we're going to look at three aspects of her courage. And we're applying this to Mary, and we're applying this to mothers. But actually these truths are applicable to every single person in this room today because we all need to have that courage that comes from God, that fearlessness that can face life, even face the impossible with the presence of the Lord with us. And so the first thing I want to talk about is the courage that Mary had to take God at his word To actually just take God at his word. Not lots of stalling around, not lots of questions, lots of, no, I don't think so's. But just to take God at his word. Luke one thirty eight. I will repeat, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. How many of us can do that in the face of difficulty How many of us can say, I am the Lord's servant? May it be to me as you said. I've had tough times in my life, and you have too, where we just have to pick ourselves up and go, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do what he said to do, even though it's hard right now, even though I don't feel like it right now, even though I'm afraid or I'm weary or whatever else that we might feel. And so Mary left Nazareth, and she journeyed to uh, the North Hill country in Judea where her cousin lived, And when Elizabeth saw her, Elizabeth now six months pregnant, the baby leaped in her womb at just hearing her voice. And she began to prophesy as she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 1, 45. And this is what uh, what Elizabeth said to Mary. And the Bible says in a very loud voice, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. She believed. She took God at his word. And in the moment that she was there with Elizabeth, there was already the Son of God implanted into her womb. Wow, you know, it's easy to have faith when we're in a room filled with people full of faith in an atmosphere just like this. Uh, It's easy to do that. But then we have to go out and live what we say we believe. We have to take God at his word and it takes courage. I think about the time when um, we were planning to come to Australia and Jack and Pastor Messer came along with, with some of the other men from the church and they believed God to show them where we should plan our church. You know the story so well. And then uh, Pastor Messer phoned his wife, uh, Sister Messer, we called her Noel, and she uh, she phoned me and she said, well, we know where we're going to plant the church, it's a place called Penrith, P-E-N-R-I-T-H, I'll spell it for you, Penrith, and I thought, okay, um, that's this is my destiny, okay, all right. And then, you know, the church was so excited about this, and we had this, you know, send-off. And I remember one of the men took his Bible out, and he read Genesis chapter 12, and he quoted, Leave your country and your people, and go to the land that I will show you. And everyone was, yeah, 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 Jack and Carol are going. And I'm like, <laughs> And I took a text here, and I wrote on a piece of paper, and I put it on my fridge, and it said, This is it. The time is now. It's like, do not look back. Do not get afraid. Just go forward and take God at his word and do what you have to do. It it takes courage to take God at his word. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations, and that includes you and me. You establish the earth and it abides we used to say back in the 70s and 80s, uh, well-known evangelists used to say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. The second thing we see in the life of Mary is that she had the courage to not give into fear. And already some of the things that we've just described, don't you think she had plenty of opportunities? She did. And, you know, when we, when we have that temptation to give in to fear, we can think of her and gain courage and go, well, you know, that, that's bigger than anything I've ever faced. And we do face things. And, and it's not to minimalize or trivialize anybody's concerns or cause for fear because we're all different. We all have our own thresholds, our own experiences, and our own abilities. But the direction of our souls should be do not give in to fear. Wherever you are right now, in your walk of faith and your journey of, of growing in, in your faith is to not give in to fear, whatever it is. OK? God doesn't condemn us. He doesn't uh, judge us for being fearful. It is our natural, immediate reaction to circumstances that sometimes are overwhelming. It's common to every one of us, but over and over again, he says throughout the scripture, "Fear not, do not fear." Fear controls. Fear paralyzes and stops us from doing what we're going to do. You know, we can fear today and we can have fears for tomorrow. We can fear for future. Some people are so fearful that they they choose not to ever be parents. Because how would I want to bring a child into a world that is so uncertain? And haven't you heard that phrase over and over again during these last two years In these uncertain times. Well, when has life ever been certain? Has there ever been certainty to anyone's life at any time on the planet? And so it's been absolutely highlighted and upscaled during a worldwide pandemic. And for sure, life is uncertain. But it's maybe amplified the fact that life always is uncertain. And so we have to go beyond that. We have to go beyond what life is on planet earth. We have to have the certainty of courage in God and not to fear, not to give into it. We can't keep on postponing our lives and going, if this gets better or if that isn't a problem or whatever. No, we just push on and we live these days that God has given us upon the earth. We read earlier that in Luke chapter 1, verse 29 to 30, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be but the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary you have found favor with God God intervened in her situation where it was fearful she had to go back now to Nazareth and and obviously pregnant she'd stayed some months with Elizabeth and she had a situation as I described earlier of the the shame of being pregnant and Joseph was her main concern. But God intervened, and he spoke to Joseph. And you know, he had the very same thing to talk to her, to talk to him about her. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about, Matthew says, Matthew 1. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. What an unbelievable statement. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. To the natural mind, to the Jewish man who obeyed the law of God, this was totally illogical. But to a believing heart who trusted in the Lord, Joseph also had the courage not to fear and believe the instruction of the Lord. That was courageous of Joseph and it was an act of grace upon mary his betrothed he was faithful to god and he was also faithful to mary and the two could come together in the one man and so we see them traveling to bethlehem under the decree of caesar a 170 kilometer journey for a very pregnant woman most women would want to stay home close to home and Luke 2 records that while they were there, the time for the baby came to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We know this Christmas story so well, but it was very difficult circumstances, and it could be a cause to give in to fear of what is going to be ahead. And very soon afterwards, we find the couple and the, and the baby having to flee to Egypt, a continuation of disruptive events. You know, we're supposed to get married and live happily ever after. Instead, I'm pregnant before I get married. And then I have a baby in in and uh, put him in a manger in Bethlehem. And now Herod is all stirred up because these visitors called the magi, the wise men, had come and they said, where's he who's born king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. That was a jealousy in Herod that was just you know, could not be attained. And so he put out an edict that every baby, two years and under, every baby boy would be killed to prevent such a thing as an overturn of his throne and of his kingdom. And so they had to flee into Egypt. Imagine the stress of that, knowing that their very lives were threatened. You know, we can all face challenges in our life and have a reason to fear every day of our life. But God will provide His grace and His power to our very situation so that we can persevere and that we can endure to the end and not give in to fear. So Mary had courage to not give in to her fears, and so did Joseph. And and then verse uh, number 3, verse 3, the end. Okay, (laughs) 3. And it is my last point. Mary had courage to believe that God was with her in her worst days As well as her best days. And very quickly, I just want to enumerate some of her best days and her worst days. But let's just suffice it to say that life for all of us is mountains and valleys and detours and roadblocks. That's life, right? We have our good days and we have our bad days. And it is absolutely uh, not true that if you become a Christian, then your life will be easy. No, if you become a Christian, your life will be led by the presence and the power of God. And he will enable you to go through every season of your life because God is with you. So, it's wrongly interpreted if we think elsewise. And, and, you know, the days that are bad, sometimes we get confused. I don't feel God, so he's not with me. God is with you whether you feel him or not. God is with you on your best days when everything is happy and beautiful. And God is with you in your very worst moments. Proverbs 31, you know that woman we all like and don't like at the same time? That woman? (laughs) It says she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. What a woman! That's superwoman with an S on her chest. (laughs) She can laugh at the days to come. Why? Because she is secure. She is settled in her heart. And this word laugh means not to mock, but to actually be lighthearted and to be, okay, life is good. God is good. A picture of a peaceful woman. So... We're not ignorant, we're not trivializing things that are difficult, but we know that we can get through them with courage. And so Mary, how unusual, it's so interesting to look through Luke's gospel and see all the prophetic words and things that were spoken over her life. And she had all these, the Bible says that she treasured these things in her heart, she pondered these words in her heart. They were inside of her, she could remember them so well that decades later she could tell Luke exactly what she felt. And so along with these things, she had glimpses of her future brought by Gabriel, the angel who spoke to her, Elizabeth, her cousin, Simeon and Anna in the temple, and the visiting wise men. They all spoke these amazing things that gave her life, uh, an understanding of what her life would be. And perhaps God was preparing her heart so that she could endure what she needed to do. Her life was bathed in prophetic declarations. And from that, I think she must have required courage to know that life will not be easy. Life will be a huge responsibility. But I hang on to that word that God said, I am favored and he is with me. And you know what? That's all we need to know. So let's talk about her best day. An angel came and told her that her son would be great. He would be the son of the most high, that he would be the holy one, the son of God. What an amazing thing for a young woman. Another good day was the, the words that the shepherds came back and repeating the angel's word. It says, today in the town of David, a savior has born been born to you. He is Christ, the anointed Messiah. She treasured these things, Luke 119 says. And then I've already mentioned the wise men. Where is he that's been born king of the Jews? And then we see her in the temple with uh, Simeon who was a devout man. He was a man with a prophetic anointing on his life, probably not recognized as a prophet, but he was in the city and in the exact precise moment that Joseph and Mary came to the temple to present Jesus and to do the purification rites that were required under the law, God prompted Simeon, and he came into the courtyards of the temple and he came upon Mary and Joseph and he prophesied over the infant Jesus and blessed Mary and Joseph and then he spoke directly to Mary and he said this this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will Pierce your own soul too. How's that for a baby dedication? <laughs> Which is what it was. Uh-huh. Unu- an unusual day that it came to be. And she put that in her heart. She had that there knowing that this is going to be some kind of a lifetime. And then we see Jesus as the older child moving forward. Uh, in their lives, perhaps Mary just longed to have a normal life. More children were born in the family. Uh, she might have just wanted to put all that extraordinary stuff behind her. And then you see her uh, with her husband Joseph. They'd gone up for festival with probably most of the village had gone to to Jerusalem, and then they were headed back to Nazareth, and they were a few days' journey along the way, and their 12 year old son, is not with them they thought he was with some of the relatives he was not with them so they journeyed all the way back to Jerusalem and found him in the temple discussing and debating the law with the teachers and in Luke 2:48, when his parents saw them they were astonished his mother said to him son why have you treated us like this your father and I have been anxiously searching for you that was a confusing day Have you ever felt confused in your parenting or in life in general when you just don't understand these things? Somewhere in this uh, time before we see Jesus and the beginning of his ministry as an adult, it's very likely that Joseph died because he's not mentioned now with her. And Mary found herself as a widow. And that was a sad day. That was a difficult day. And then we see him and we see her at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, that was about seven kilometers from where they lived, and the host ran out of wine on that day, and so she looked to her son, and she asked him to do something about it, and at first it seemed that he refused, but then we have the miracle of the water turning into wine. That was a good day, and perhaps there were some hopes for the future, and following that event, Mary went along with Jesus and his disciples down to Capernaum and spent some time there just seeing what he was doing and the beginning of his ministry. And then we see an uncertain day and a concerned mother later as his ministry is is gathering more momentum and and more people are following him and and he's preaching some things that seem quite radical and his brothers were not yet believers and they had some concern about him and she came to try to, to talk to him and he didn't speak with them, at least it's not recorded. An uncertain day. And then we see Mary on her very worst day. It's a painful day, and we see her with two other Marys, Mary Magdalene and Mary, who was most likely her sister-in-law, the wife of Clopas. We see them standing a little ways off and watching her son crucified and you know when we stop and we remember jesus and we take communion or any other time that we approach the cross we think of him and his sacrifice and we should because that's what we're supposed to do but do we ever think of this mother on her very worst day when she she saw the spear come into his side and a sword went through her soul God had not forsaken her. And God was with her on her very worst day. And she was there, not alone. And I think that's something that we should remember as believers, that on our very worst day, not only is the Lord with you, but you have a family of God with you. And she was very soon taken into the community of believers. And on the cross, as Jesus looked down, he saw John, his disciple, and he said, Behold your mother, and mother, behold your son. And the same moment, she's looking at her son upon the cross and looking on the man who would be like a son to her and who would care for her, tradition tells us, for the rest of her life. The church protected her, cared for her, and John was to whom she was entrusted. And then we see her on the day of Pentecost. is another good day. And now Jesus has been risen from the dead and it has been proven over and over again. Many, many occurrences, many witnesses to say Jesus is risen from the dead. In Acts chapter 1 verse 3 it says, After his suffering he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And for Mary that's all she needed to know. It's all she needed to know. And Jesus instructed his followers to leave Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the Father. And that's what they did. And they gathered for prayer and to regroup as a community after all the things that had happened. And Acts 1.14 says, They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And I, I think we can assume that Mary continued on in that prayer meeting And when the wonderful wind of the Holy Spirit came into that room, that she too was filled with the Holy Spirit. The one who had conceived the Son of God through the Holy Spirit and then was emptied out of life and saw him emptied out of life and returned in resurrection power and sent the mighty Holy Spirit who now filled everyone, the Bible says, all that were in the room. And I like to believe that Mary was amongst those that were also baptized in the Holy Spirit on that glorious day. And so that was one of her best days, to be sure. To raise a child requires courage. To live well requires courage. Mothers have courage. All of us are courageous people when we put our hand in God's hand and receive the power that he gives. I want to conclude with a quote from a woman who remains anonymous, but she said this, Motherhood, done well, takes bravery because it's a series of sacrifice that puts someone else at the center of your life. I think Mary displayed that well. I think the women in this room display that well. I think all of us at some point find that sacrificial love for another that we so admire. So we need to take courage and take God at his word. We need to have courage And not give into fear. And we need to have courage and believe that on our worst days and our best days, God is always with us. Let me pray for you and then uh, we'll sing together. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you that you are the one who gives us courage. Father, you've told us to fear not. And you say that at the word that we often feel fear. And in that moment you say, fear not. And so, Lord, we take you at your word and we believe you. We find faith in you and we trust in you. We find a hiding place in our God when the storm is upon us, when life is difficult, when we don't know what to do. And Lord, I pray for everyone here today that, Lord, you would encourage their hearts. You'd cause courage to grow big within them. And that, Lord, the greatness of God would just be displayed through their lives. We thank you for your grace and abundance. In Jesus' name. Amen.